I wanted a brother who was like protective of me and Rob's more of the literally at the Grand Canyon did kept doing the like save your life and that wasn't <laughs> that wasn't what I was looking for in an older brother amazing you're like great I just pissed my pants you suck <laughs> you you know how I have a paralyzing fear of heights wouldn't it be fun if we were at a really high place and you kept pushing me off a cliff oh my god Lillian, we're back once again. We took a week off. I I needed a week. I don't know if you did, um, but I finished my kitchen. uh, So that's exciting. (laughs) And um, now I'm ready to talk about our palate cleanser. How are you? How are you feeling about this? I'm doing so good. I have so many feelings about this and I'm so excited to, not that I don't love talking about Jane Eyre every week. I do, but I just feel like a palate cleanser was really what I needed. Mm -hmm. Um, especially this particular palate cleanser. (laughs) Cause this is like, would you say this is maybe one of your all-time favorite films? If not number one. Yeah. It fights for number one with a couple other great, great films like about love and stuff like that. But (laughs) definitely I have some things I'm going to talk about with how how much I forgot that I love this movie and have just, it was so lovely to watch again, but. (laughs) So in um, case we haven't, because I don't think we've said yet, our palate cleanser that we just watched is Pride and Prejudice from 2006. 2005. 2005. Ah, yes. One whole year (laughs) before our last Jane Eyre adaption. Yes. But do you want to maybe start for those uh, poor, unfortunate souls who have maybe not seen this movie Uh, Give us a quick synopsis of um, everything that they have missed out on. First of all, what you doing, guys? Go out there and watch this. It's the greatest movie of all time. It's really, Um, really good. (laughs) So here's, I'm going to do the the fast version of the synopsis. So um, Pride and Prejudice starts with five sisters in a lovely little family that I would like to be adopted into. There's lots of love. They're very happy. And two rich hotties move into town. They have a (laughs) dance, a a dance that the whole town goes to. And very dramatically, these two hotties and then this one mean sister show up and there's some drama at the ball, which we will talk about. And then (laughs) a cousin who's going to inherit this lovely family's um, whole, all their money and stuff. Cause you know, ladies can't have houses. No. Um, he shows up and he immediately falls in love with his second choice, um, <laughs> who is Elizabeth Bennett. Um, and she, he proposes to her. There's a whole scene about that. She says, no, then her friend who's 27 years old, which as we all know is the age in which you should give up on love because I've got a whole three days left of being 27 and I've given up on love. Uh, <laughs> well, and Mr. Collins is just about to knock on your door. Just wait. Just waiting outside to be like, listen, I'm not, I'm just saying if you're going to compromise, do it now. In the meantime, there, Jane, her older sister is falling in love with Mr. Bingley. Um, who is the sweetest little goober on the planet. Mm-hmm. And uh, Elizabeth definitely does not have the hots for Mr. Darcy. And it's important that she say that out loud to everyone frequently. Yes. Um, then it turns out he has the hots for her. Cause when she goes <gasps> to visit her cousin who used to be in love with her for sure. Um, <laughs> he is also there and they have the best dramatic proposal scene in the rain um, where they both say very mean things to one another. <laughs> 
And then she goes, here's the reasons that I could never love you. And he goes, that's such a bummer. Um, And then he goes out there and unlike every man I've ever dated, he works really hard to correct the things that she criticized about him and make her life better and care about her. Um, and, And then after he does all of this stuff, he very sweetly says, I did this for you, but he also makes it super clear that he didn't expect anything from that. But if she loves him, he loves her. And then they have a great confession of love. And then they get married and they say cute things to each other on a dock. Wow. Oh my gosh. It's like, we've just watched the movie. I know. (laughs) Um, It was exciting for me to be transported back when I watched it, but I think it was also equally exciting to to do it again just now with you. So thank you for that. (laughs) Um, I do recommend watching the movie. If Mm -hmm. my summary is your first experience of pride and prejudice. Uh Oh, (laughs) uh Oh, huh? No, you can do better than that. Lillian, uh, so I also, my first note was also on the happy family dynamic. But the first thing that I think I want to open with before we dive into all kinds of critique and um, uh, raving reviews is if you had to choose between uh, Darcy or Bingley, who would you choose and why? This is the meanest thing you've ever done. See, I I know my answers and they're complicated. (laughs) So I think... Who, if we're talking about like who in real life, I think would make me live the happiest life and be my best self, it's going to be Bingley. Oh yeah. Yeah. But the person that I'm definitely in love with and would for sure choose, despite the fact that I don't (laughs) think it would be the best choice for me and who I am as a person is definitely Mr. Darcy. Oh my God. My answer is the exact same. (laughs) I was thinking about this. I'm like, they're both have their, their charms and their pluses. And I think I view Bingley falls into the realistic love category of like, I want someone who's cute, who I can laugh with and have fun with. And it's just like, so calm and relaxing. And then Mr. Darcy is like the fictional romance where it's like, Ooh, he's so brooding and mysterious and powerful. And he stands like a wall and a great oak tree in the middle of a field. And it's like, Oh my. So yes, there's the, the reality and the fantasy. Well, and I, and I, also think, that. I also think for me, I have to think about who am I more like as a character? Mm-hmm. Am I Jane? Who's just the sweetest constantly glowing angel of a person who just is like out here being a sweet little bean and who also needs a sweet little bean. Am I that person or am I the person who's so sarcastic that maybe no one will love her? Oh my gosh, Lillian. So then Darcy is the one for you. Yeah. The person who dances along the line of, was that funny or mean? And that's me. <laughs> Every time I tell people frequently, if you don't laugh, I'm just a bitch. Um, oh my God. Well, unfortunately for both of these male love interests, um, both women's affections are misconstrued and hence we have the pull plot of our story, but, yes. uh, we can get into that. Well, I could talk for six years about my first impressions about this movie. Mm-hmm. And I know we both, they're not really our first impressions. No. But what are your kind of like high level feelings about this um, whole movie? 
I would say my high level feelings are, I think it is one of the most well done and widely accepted romances um, that we've gotten in recent years. And one of my ways of proving that is because, so we, Sam and I, my fiance and I, we watched this movie on Valentine's day. Um, Yeah. Cause I was like, Sam, uh, I need to watch this for the podcast, but it's also Valentine's day. So let's watch it. And this is one of the only romance films that Sam enjoys watching with me. So it's, accessible to a wide audience. And I think a big part of that comes down to, I mean, I've talked about this when I, I think we talked about the 2011 uh, Jane Eyre, but it's visually beautiful. Like it's just, it's so well shot. Mm-hmm. Um, the musical score, I have a note here where I think the musical score is a character in itself mm-hmm. and the way that piano instantly starts leading us through the house and then continues to lead us through mm-hmm. the story. I think it's done so well. And the acting is amazing. I'm absolutely in love with Kira Knightley. Um, her as uh, both Elizabeth. I mean, she plays Elizabeth also in Pirates. I was going to say in this and Pirates of the Caribbean is like my favorite of her acting uh, repertoire. And so anytime she's uh, an Elizabeth, whether it's Bennett or Swan, I'm very on board. (laughs) But also I think the romance is done so well in ways that other movies try to do and they miss the ball where with this, the energy is palpable between them. When we, when it's just looks and glances, you can Mm -hmm. feel it. When they're yelling at each other, we know their inner feelings that say, actually, I love you. Please grab me and kiss me. Even though that's not what they're saying with their mouths, but they are kind of saying it with their mouths. (laughs) Uh, But (laughs) it's like the, the romantic tension is done some of the best in this movie than I've ever seen. Those are kind of my overarching thoughts. Yeah. I think, um, in addition to the absolutely gorgeous scenery, absolutely amazing soundtrack both things that I noted down one of the things that I was highly aware of too is just how every layer of filmmaking is used in this yes. the lighting in particular yes the costuming the set design like every detail of this movie does mm-hmm. a spectacular job of serving the story I agree. Um, And I think that that romantic tension that you're talking about is something that we've actually talked a lot about with the adaptions of Jane Eyre, which is how do those quiet moments play? Right. Because I think in the, in the 83 version of Jane Eyre, I had a lot of complaints about those quiet moments because they weren't (laughs) really serving the story. They just were filler. Um, And I think that we, I think the 2011 version is very similar to how this Um, this adaption of Pride and Prejudice plays those quiet moments, which is we really see and feel the feelings of those characters. And I think that's a combination of all of the things that we're talking about, where I think the actors are fantastic. This is Mm -hmm. peak Kira Knightley, who is a fantastic actress to begin with. Mm -hmm. And this is like her, she was in everything in 2005. Yes. And she's so fantastic in this. And but there's also the way that the music is lead, leading us to understand their emotions more. The way the space and the scenery and the lighting, like every, even when you don't know why mm-hmm. those things are affecting your the feeling that you get from the movie, yeah, it's all playing into that. And I think yeah. that that's one of the things that caught me on this watch before is um, I know this movie incredibly well. I didn't know how well I knew this movie because I haven't watched it in a few years until I watched this alone. And Mm -hmm. it was very good that I watched it alone because anyone who was in the room would have gotten Lillian's dramatic reenactment of 
Pride and Prejudice. <laughs> just I, quoting as along. It turns out, know all the words to this movie. Incredible. Oh my God. Uh, that will serve well for a question that I have for you later on, but I think I want to wait since I asked you a question earlier. Um, before we move on, I kind of want to like just add into this a little bit. I think the success of a romance, like we're kind of saying here, the success of a romance, a big part of it comes down to how well they handle romantic tension, at least in my Mm -hmm. opinion. And I believe that's true for both movies. And I believe it's true for stories as well. Um, The novels that I read uh, when I'm seeking a good romantic story, for me, it's all about the buildup and the anticipation Mm -hmm. And then once we get to that final, like, I kind of prefer almost, I like a slow burn myself. Mm -hmm. I don't mind spending an entire novel of characters, like building that romantic tension to then finally come together at the end. And that's how it finishes. Because for me, I think the, the journey is more exciting sometimes than the destination. I've had stories before where the romantic tension ends too quickly, then they get together. And then the rest of the story is just like little snippets of them continuing to get together or fighting and falling apart and then coming back together again. And I'm like, oh, you lost me after that was such a short roller coaster ride. Like I want, <laughs> I want it to go longer. Um, but that's, that's just me personally. Well, and I'm a big fan of uh, the whole enemies to lovers trope, which yes. I think even like how much are they enemies? But like, I think that this- <laughs> This plays into that. That's um, the idea that like they hate each other, but actually that's the strong feelings, love and hate being so close again in life. Let's not right in the romance that I'm watching. Absolutely. And I love a male protagonist where he seems like a dick. (laughs) He just (laughs) seems like a real, a real jerk. And then it turns out that he was actually just like, a shy, passionate man who loves his friends and 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 misunderstood, but was trying to do the right thing. Oh my and gosh! He, yeah, he doesn't get along with that guy, but he was protecting his baby sister. <laughs> <laughs> so I was saying out loud to Sam um, when we watched it on Monday that it really stood out to me the scene in the ball uh, part two. Um, Mm -hmm. where I think I see this in part one as well, but in part two, it hit me harder where at that point, Lizzie has heard the story from Mr. Wickham and now has Mm -hmm. this negative opinion of Darcy. And so he is there already totally in love with her, but super shy and not very, and like socially awkward kind of, but not in Mm -hmm. a way that, um, Mr. Collins is socially awkward because that mm-hmm. guy the whole time, Sam and I were like this poor little toad. But Darcy is socially awkward in a different way where he was clearly like raised to be a gentleman and he knows how to like at least present as if he's confident, but inside he's very uncomfortable mm-hmm. being in these situations. And so to see Lizzie jab at him throughout that night when he's just trying to like, you know, be brave enough to talk to her and dance with her. I'm like, Lizzie, if only you knew how hard this is for him. He's trying to like be with you. Well, and, and that's like, that's, that's the the thing. There's so many people in life that I know like that, where you meet them and you're like, oh my God, you're like so cool. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's because they have that sort of like mysterious swagger and you just don't know anything about them. And like, and you interpret what they're doing, like the fact that they're like not really talking to you is the fact because they're just so cool. Like the fact that he didn't (laughs) dance with anyone at the first dance was like the story she's telling herself is that it's because he thought he was too cool to dance. Right. But then like you actually get to know them and you're like, oh my God, you were so scared the whole time. Um, And you can, 
you, we can leave this in or cut this out depending on whether or not you think this person will be upset about including this. But it reminds me, as we're talking about this, I've never thought about this before. It reminds me so much of Zach and oh. my first impressions of Zach. Cause I thought he was like, I thought he, when I first, the first few times I met him, I thought he didn't like me cause he was like too cool for me. And then I like heard from you guys like, nope, he's just like not the most extroverted person. He's a bit of an introvert and like, doesn't, doesn't talk about that stuff. And just oh like, my doesn't gosh. Really dude, I love that you mentioned that we're definitely keeping that in. And I'm just going to give a quick <laughs> little bit of context. So Zach is my fiance's best friend. Um, he's looks kind of like a tall, like Scandinavian male model. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's very quiet and kind of like aloof. He's essentially a modern day, uh, Mr. Darcy. <laughs> um, uh-huh. but so like, he does definitely present that cool guy vibe. Um, but I, the thing that I will always think about Zach is, um, so we were playing, uh, Mario Kart one time and he always picked the character shy guy, which is like a little dude with like a mask and a little red, like onesie. And mm-hmm. I was like, Hey Zach, why do you always play a shy guy? And his response was, he's like, well, he's a shy guy. And I'm also kind of a shy guy. And I was like, Holy crap. Zach. What a thing to say. So yes, we know a Darcy in real life and that is a very fair assessment. Yes. Um, but yeah, there's, there's absolutely people like that who I think come off as very cool Mm -hmm. when you're not in their head and then you get to know them. And I think that that's, that's a big theme of this whole movie. And the whole story is the idea that your perception of people and your interpretation of people's actions Mm -hmm is it doesn't necessarily align to what they actually think and feel. So like, I think that's super clear with Jane and her feelings towards Bingley. Like we know that they're really in love. And I think the line that um, Elizabeth says during the best scene, which we will go into a lot of detail of all of the super steamy romantic scenes in this. um, (laughs) When, when Darcy's saying like, I watched them and she didn't like him as much as he liked her. Mm -hmm. And Elizabeth is kind of yelling back at him that yes, she did. And she's like, my sister doesn't show her true feelings to me. Right. Like that's, that's a level of like, they have different sides of like those three characters are different versions of shy and scared. Yeah. Um, And I think that it's interesting to watch that and see Elizabeth who is not those things. Right. Um, She's a very bold person get put into a position where she starts behaving that way because he makes her nervous. Mm -hmm. And especially as she starts to like actually have feelings for him and realize that like, there's an attraction there, the more that she becomes like nervous, the way we all do when we're around a crush. And I think it makes her have more sympathy for him. Yeah, no, that's a really good assessment, Lillian. Um, I think, I think the nervous scene for Lizzie with him, that is one of my favorites in the whole movie. I think I mentioned on this podcast earlier that I have a playlist on YouTube just called love and it's different clips from romantic movies that I love. And I throw on when I'm feeling zappy. Um, but one of the clips I have in there is the scene where after she's been creeping around his house and she peeps on him and his sister and then she he sees her and she runs and he goes after her that scene where I love that first she's running away and then when he calls her name she stops and walks as if she was never running even though he totally (laughs) saw her running away and then they turn and they have that little conversation and there's like that big fern between them which great visual placement that kind of like oops Mm -hmm. here's this thing that's still between them her awkwardness there is so cute and I love 
the look on his face is one of my favorite things of all. When she first tries to make like silly little excuses and then she apologizes and she's like, I'm so sorry. I didn't mean to interrupt. And his face, he has this look like, oh no, don't, don't be sorry. I'm just so glad you're here. And Mm -hmm. oh my gosh. And both of their reactions in that moment, there's two like initial reactions that are like, there's so much, it's this very subtle thing of there's so much emotion there. And then they both like put their mask of being like this polite society person back on so quickly. Cause like he asks, can I see you back to your hotel or your, or the inn or whatever it is. And she responds with no. And then goes, (laughs) um, I just really like to walk like her gut react, like her emotions are so close to the surface that she just reacts with that big no. And then he, she says she really loves to walk and he just goes, yeah. I mean, yeah, I know. I, I do. Know. I did know that about you. <laughs> like, it's so and cute. It's like, it's like, I know everything about you and I love you so much in that one. Yes. And then her no of like, I can barely stand here right now because my feelings are so strong. I can't imagine us going back to the hotel together. That's too stressful. Oh, it's so good. If we're going to talk about moments of characters ba- barely being able to stand being in the same room as them. How about probably my favorite scene in the whole movie is the one where she's staying with her friend and Mr. Collins and mm-hmm. he she's sitting at a desk writing a letter and suddenly the door swings open and <laughs> in charges Mr. Darcy and it does the camera literally does like a quick zoom in on him and she's like, "Hi, what are you doing here?" and he's just like can't give an explanation. He just like wanted to see her so bad that he like ran over to the house, probably to like give some big romantic declaration. But once he's there, he's tongue tied and he's just kind of like, um, you have a nice room here. Okay. Bye. And then like runs away. It's so cute. Yes. There's just, and both of them, like when you can see that awkwardness, when they start realizing their feelings for each other. And like the fact that every time she sees him, she looks like she's just been caught doing something wrong which like yeah. only one time she was caught doing something wrong every other time it was just the the other very similar like I'm gonna actually hide instead is when she gets back to the inn and she walks in and he's talking to her aunt and uncle and she literally hides behind a curtain I know it's so good it's so cute. I have to, since you have this movie memorized that I don't feel bad quoting the things that I've memorized Perfect. either. I love after she leaves and her friend is there and she's like what on earth have you done to Mr. Darcy? And the response is, I have no idea. It's so good. It's so good. Um, okay. Well, I want to talk about more, more Darcy and Elizabeth moments. Cause I think that there's a lot of things that we can talk about in this movie, but I'm just dying to specifically talk about those some more, mm-hmm. um, m- potentially the like two or maybe three big scenes that are like my potentially my favorite scenes ever. I think that the proposal in the rain is maybe my favorite scene of anything ever. Did I stand up and deliver both sides of the speech? Who's to say I was alone in my house. Oh my God. I, mean, um, I would never, your dog was there. <laughs> she, she knows snitches get stitches. So she mm-hmm. would never rat me out. I did do that. Um, she's that already been neutered. Happen. So, but something more can happen. So who knows <laughs> what, what more could happen to her, um, spade, but close. Um, okay. Sorry. <laughs> every part of that scene is so good. It has those high tension moments. Mm-hmm. It has the misunderstandings that can be played in a way that is so annoying to me mm-hmm. in other situations. But I think there's a layer of them particularly in historical romances and like period romances like this that just make more sense to me where like they 
aren't put in a position where they can truly be honest with each other. Like this is the first really honest conversation we see the two of them have. Right. Because every other thing they're around other people, they have these uh, society, societal pressures on them. Mm -hmm. And his list of like going through, like confessing his feelings, starting with the reasons he didn't think it was a good idea. Yeah. That's poor guy. A bad plan, bud. <laughs> poor but dummy. It's the first time that he's like, he's been saying this to himself in his head for long enough. Right. So like, you can just tell that it's someone who has no experience being emotionally vulnerable around someone else. Yes. And his feelings are just like so high. Um, and then Elizabeth's feelings back to him. And that moment that those tent, that tension that we've talked about, mm-hmm. the fact that they're like, sort of stuck. The rain is requiring them to stay in this one place. Yep. And they're both like a little bit damp in a way that is very well done. Oh my God. Um, I was going to say like her then, wet bangs, like there's no, why does her wet hair look that good? No one looks that good. wet. You have to have a professional hairstylist follow you around all the time, Piper. Um, <laughs> but the, the fact that like it makes their emotions are so high that they start just like being closer and closer and closer to each other. And then those moments where they're just sort of breathing Mm -hmm. and they're both very clearly like aware of the more than friendship tension that's happening there. The thing that I love about that, uh, that you get in a movie is just seeing each other's like their eyes looking down at each other's mouths like that's something that you don't necessarily get in a book where in the book obviously you the plus is that you get like their inner thoughts and emotions and all this Mm -hmm. other stuff but in the movie it's all about them like I'm always looking at their eyes because they'll be going from like I'm looking at your eyes and looking at your mouth and then it's like oh you know are we gonna kiss are we gonna do it and no but almost and I I love the similar similar vibe of like little things like the moments where they stop. They're so in their emotional speeches and they're so angry and frustrated and their t- the tension is high and they're both. And then suddenly like they both run out of steam just for a second. Like they just mm-hmm. get thrown off the rhythm of the fight just for a second. And you can kind of see their breath catch as they mm-hmm. realize how close they are to each other and the yeah. fact that they're alone and that they're not, that like they're not allowed to be in that situation And that's the moment where the eyes happen. And even though I have seen this movie enough times that I know all the words, and even though I know that they would never kiss in this moment, there's still a little part of me going, kiss, do it. Oh my God. Like, what if they do it? I literally, in my notes at that point, wrote, kiss, 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 kiss. (laughs) Well, I love in when they have that moment where they, they pause that's when the thunder rumbles in the background and it kind of like reminds them, it kind of recenters them to be like, oops, look where we found ourselves. I wanted to say, cause you mentioned that this is, you love uh, enemies to lovers plots and like, you know, fighting scenes that like lead to this. I find this is one of the only cases where a fight scene that leads to like romance works for me. I think sometimes Mm -hmm. it's done really poorly. I don't like when, uh, I feel like you see this in, let's say like a Hallmark romance movie kind of a thing where they're like, oh, we're doing like enemies to lovers, but it's really petty drama and there's zero chemistry between Mm -hmm. them. And they're just like fighting and yelling at each other. And then suddenly they're like making out. I'm like, no, you didn't deserve those kisses. You're mad at him. (laughs) Remember what you just said? Like there's no emotional buildup to justify the kiss, but this movie does have that and it does it really well. Well, and I think it's that perfect balance. The reason why 
it's hard to do a misunderstanding trope. It's hard to do an enemies to lovers in a way that both feels real, Mm -hmm. but also doesn't make you hate any of the characters. Mm -hmm. Like it has to be the perfect balance of stakes Mm -hmm. where the stakes are high enough that you would say no to someone, that you would turn him down in that moment. Her reasons for saying no to him are really good. And it's not just the crappy way he gave the speech. Like she has real reasons to believe that he has done harm to people in her life that she loves very much. Yeah. And he accidentally did, Mm -hmm. Um, but they're not so high that his actions are unforgivable. Um, And I think we've talked about this in why it's so hard for me to get past Rochester, right? Mm -hmm. Like, yeah those particularly when they don't play it well or what I would consider well Mm -hmm. um that's hard to forgive your wife being locked in the attic and you lied to me this whole time yeah (laughs) yeah you've been lying I like that your hang-up is the lying to me the whole time and my hang-up is the wife locked in the attic I mean don't worry I'm still hung up on you locking a married woman up in the attic your married wife but um just yeah I'm just adding the lie on top of that great point (laughs) but like but also the misunderstanding doesn't feel contrived either like it makes sense that he misinterpreted Jane's actions Mm -hmm. that Darcy misinterpreted Jane's actions as not liking Bingley and that Bingley would have missed that and that what he did in a different context seems right. Like it Mm -hmm. seems like the, he maybe did the right thing. If I can build off of that idea. I mean, we also have the story of Darcy protecting his sister from, Mm -hmm. um, Mr. Mr. Wickham. Wickham. Right. And so I feel like it's, we now have this sort of trend of Darcy being like, I don't want the people that I love to be taken advantage of or be made fools of in love. Cause he's seen what that can do to his like who is his sister who was distraught. And I love the way that he says that. I can't think of the exact words, but he's like, I will not try to like put words to the depth of like her agony or something mm-hmm. that he caused her. But um, so words knowing that- describe I, the depth of Georgiana's despair. That's it. Oh my God. Yay. It's a good thing you have this memorized, Lillian. <laughs> Did I know um, I had it memorized? Not until yesterday. <laughs> um, but so I like that we have that precedence there too. Cause he's, and what's more romantic than a guy who just wants to protect people that he cares about? Nothing. Yeah. I tell you nothing. Yeah. <laughs> well, and that's like, yeah, that, that protection and the way that he like, it's, there's also this element of it that I think is so critical for me that I really love where his protection of her does not end when she says no, mm-hmm. he still loves Elizabeth. Yeah. And so he is still, when he goes to find Lydia and bring her back and when he brings, um, Bingley back to Jane, like mm-hmm. that is, he's, he doesn't think he's going to get her. This is not him trying to win her over mm-hmm. as much as we know it's working and it is yeah. doing that. And that what she really needed was those three things the real story about what happened with, with Mr. Wickham, the, um, bringing, uh, Bingley back to Jane Mm -hmm. and then acknowledging how important her family is for her and saving her family. Like that's, that's it. She's totally in, Mm -hmm. but he didn't do that for, he did it for her, but he didn't do it to win her. Yes. And it's an important distinction. It's the, it's the whole idea of a nice guy, like, Mm -hmm but done well, (laughs) like legitimate. (laughs) Well, and that's what I'm saying is like, if, if you're doing something for someone, because you think you deserve something back after that, Mm -hmm. then you're not really doing 
a good thing. Right. But if you're doing something for someone because you love them and you Mm -hmm. want them to have good things in their life and you know that they matter, that it matters to them, like that's why Darcy did it. And that's why I will never stop loving him. Yeah. No, Darcy, the fact that he, he goes off, I have here in my notes when they find out about Lydia running off and ruining herself and potentially the family and he offers to help. And she says, no, thank you. Like it's past help. And then he simply like, is like, all right, well, I'm going to go by and he leaves, but we all know that he is going off to like solve this problem. The way that he just like goes off and does that without like asking right for like a spotlight, it's all done discreetly, Mm -hmm. like using his his power for good in this way is so sexy and romantic to me. Like, I'm just mm-hmm. like, oh, he's a problem solver. He's just going to go and take care of this for the woman that he loves and for her family because her family is essentially his family or at least he hopes it will be one day. Yeah. And it's like, oh my gosh, that's so good and romantic and cute. I also, so I did write down a quote because this plays well into what all of what that we're saying. Um, can you think of what Darcy's friend's name is um, who's at uh, the lady's estate? He's like uh, in a military jacket. Oh yeah. Colonel Fitzwilliam. Fitzwilliam. Yeah, that's it. Okay, cool. Why do I know all of this? Why because... is that just in my brain? <laughs> it's so good. This is a good quiz and test for you. Um, I love when Lizzie is at church with him and they were like whispering in the pews and his mm-hmm. line is Darcy is a most loyal companion. And that is so mm-hmm. true. Like mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. that could be the start of a, a thesis paper on breaking down Darcy's uh, character. Ugh. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I think just to, to loop us back to another quote that I love that wraps up that moment in the rain when there, when I literally wrote four kiss, kiss, kiss with exclamation points that I wanted them to do it, even though we know they don't, but they should, (laughs) but they shouldn't have, but they should have, um, Mm -hmm. He, what he says in response to break that moment of tension where they're both just sort of like breathing at each other, Mm -hmm. um, is forgive me, madam, for taking up so much of your time. And it's so well delivered Yeah, and it's so sexy. Yeah. And And also like kind of sassy. What's like, well, fine. Bye. And she's like, Ooh, ouch. Like, no, (laughs) come back. Yeah. And it's, and it's, it's just so good, dude. Um, I think so that kind of rivals, uh, Lizzie's unbelievable mic drop moment from the first dance after she overhears him telling, uh, Bingley that she's not handsome enough to tempt him. And so then later they're in that little circle talking and he's like, well, what would you say, uh, to encourage affection? And she just looks at him and she's like dancing smiles, turns, walks away. And it's just like, Oh shit. I hate, I hate to correct you, but what she actually says is what he says, what would you say to do to encourage infection. And she says, dancing, even if one's partner is barely tolerable, There we go. which is That's an allusion it. to the line that he said about her. Yes. And then her walk away is like, so good. Dude, powerful. I mean, after that moment, he's like, wow, I'm like yours forever. I'll follow you to the ends of the earth. Yeah. <laughs> and who wouldn't? And I um, think that's <laughs> one of the best. There's lots of great roasts in mm-hmm. this. Yes. It's spicy. Um, the other great roast, which is not a spicy moment, but is just a fantastic roast from a uh, favorite of the podcast, Dame Judy Dench as Lady mm-hmm. Catherine, mm-hmm. Um, when she shows up and does the dramatic <laughs> break into the house in the middle of the night and everybody's freaking out. The only thing she says when uh, Mrs. Bennett is like yep. doing her jabber away, nervous talking thing is you have a very small garden, ma'am. Yeah. Just and like, I think that that's so maybe- savage. Like, obviously the best burn is the, even if your 
partner is barely tolerable and then the turn and walk away. Like he's not even worth her time. Mm -hmm. Um, but the, you have a very small garden, ma'am. You just came to these people's houses in the middle of the night. They're all in their long pajamas, (laughs) their big shirts. (laughs) And Mrs. Bennett is doing the, an overshare in classic Mrs. Bennett style. Yep. Oh, so good. So many good burns in this. If you're looking for new insults, I highly recommend, um, watching this, this, uh, Mm -hmm. because another one that was, I don't think Mr. Collins ever means to insult people. He's mm-hmm. just this awkward. So awkward. But he, when Lizzie is at, at their house visiting and Ka- Lady Catherine comes by and invites them to dinner, what Charlotte, the friend, is saying like, it's fine. Like, don't worry about it. Just wear whatever you have that's best. And Mr. Collins goes, Lady Catherine has never been adverse to the truly humble. Yep. <laughs> Dude. <laughs> That's such a rough thing to say to someone. I want to do a pivot real quick because I made a list of uh, moments of love from Mr. Darcy, Mm. um, which I think are important to check off. And I want to share what I have. And then you let me know if there were any key ones that I missed out on. Okay. So number one moment of love is when she walks all the way to the estate to go visit her sick sister and he's just sitting at the breakfast table and yeah. as soon as she walks in looking like a goddess with her beautiful hair just slightly wavy cascading down her shoulders he sees her and he just like stands up instantly at attention i mean ooh it's the perfect beat of him yes. sitting there like he's frozen in shock by this angel who has mm-hmm. walked into the room mm-hmm. and then he like remembers that he's a gentleman and suddenly yeah. stands up with the oh, perfect attention so, so good. good that moment number one number two we talked about this on a recent episode but when he helps her into the carriage yeah and she looks down at his hand and he has that stare at her face and as he walks away he does that little hand flex like oh my god I touched her I touched your hand <laughs> important hand flex note um, the, I listened to an interview of that actor whose name is escaping me right now. Cause he mm-hmm. is Mr. Darcy and that's all that really matters. Um, <laughs> and apparently that was something he'd been doing in rehearsal. So like they'd rehearse the scene and the beats and all that stuff. And the director was like, Ooh, that's great. Let's get that. Nice. And that's the reason for all of the shots of his hand kind of throughout the movie. Cause there's Aww. other shots of his hand and other points in the movie. And it's because of the way that he was able to portray the character in that simple hand flex that's so good oh well done actor who plays mr darcy who we can't be bothered to look up (laughs) honestly when i see him in other things i just go oh look it's mr darcy so yes he's mr darcy guys I would say, okay, so um, instance number three, and this is one of the best uh, ones, is when, and I don't know if this is necessarily on his part, but I just think it's done so well cinematically, where they've had that kind of confrontation, but the sparks are flying, and then suddenly, like, they're the only ones in the room. That is great directing and, like, creative development. Like, no one else is there. In the dancing when the world melts away. Yes. So good. And the banter between them is, like, like, she's clearly despite her best efforts, enjoying herself, talking to him. Yes. Like she's making fun of him for being so awkward. Mm -hmm. Um, But at the same time, you can see when she turns away from him and the way that that dance is played, she turns away from him and she's always got this secret little smile. Yeah. And then the world melts away and it stops being that joke. Mm -hmm. And it starts being that tension build that we talked about. We love so much. 
Yes. Yes. Um, okay. Number four, I would say is both when he goes to listen to her play piano at his aunt's, but then more importantly is when we meet Georgiana and we, it's obvious that he's been bragging about Elizabeth to his sister. And she's like, oh, but he says you play so well. And he's like, no, I said quite well. And she's like, oh, quite well. Very well. I am satisfied. And it's like so cute. He's just been like talking to his sister about how much he likes Elizabeth. And that's so sweet. And I also love the look, like the knowing look that Georgiana gives where she looks between her brother and Lizzie. And she's like, dude, we can all see it. Yes. Yes. So good. Um, one of my last ones, cause everything after this, I feel like it's just like blatant love. That's just obviously mm-hmm. shared, but is again at the end, once they have the bad news, his anxious pacing back and forth, like, cause he mm-hmm. cares for her so much. And he's like feeding off of her anxiety that he can't sit still if she's upset. I love that too. Yeah. And the, the like pacing and then the finally deciding that he needs to just sit down. Cause he's like, he's like, I can't just keep pacing around this room. That's so weird. And then she comes in and she's fully sobbing. Cause she's reading. This, and then she notices that he's still there and he has shot up when she mm-hmm. walked back in the room. And then she like goes, Oh God, I have to collect myself before I'm in front of this man goes into <laughs> the other room to like, stop crying for a minute. He goes to sit back down. She comes back in this time. Totally fine. Everything's fine. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yes. Those, those are my, my moments of love. Um, Yeah. The, the one, and it's, it's, it bounces off of your, your other moment of love, but back in that, the ball scene, when the, when they're done dancing and she has that moment outside and I'm a big fan of the moment of reflection of like letting us see the character kind of go, whoa, like that, that moment of her really letting set in Mm -hmm. something happened there. We obviously know that, but her seeing that and reflecting on that and being like, I thought I hated him, but that was a moment. We just had this like whole thing and like reflecting on her life, which in the book, we're hearing a lot of, right. but I love when adaptions give us that moment where they're alone. Um, and I think that I, I want to talk, I want to make sure that we're, I don't think there's any love scenes other than the, the back half of the, the, like everything's love and they just love each other. Yes. Like you said that you, <laughs> that I'm seeing that you missed, but one other thing that I want to talk about that I think plays really well into the ball, mm-hmm. um, is, just how alive this whole world feels. Oh, I like that. Yeah. So it's one of the things that I noted down is like from the very beginning, we start with the the very first shot of the movie is the sun rising and the music playing and establishing these two, how both the scenery and the music are those additional characters that we talked about. Yeah. But when she walks in, we see the people of the household. We see the animals. We mm-hmm. see all of that. The house yeah. feels alive. Everyone in every scene is living their life. Yes. It doesn't feel like it feels like that house is full of love and full of life and the town is and everything. Yes. And that's such a critical part of what is so lovely about like, I want to be in the Bennett family. Oh no, like, totally. I wrote down I, too, I, cause I'm an only child. I well, I have a half sister, but she's 10 years older than me. So I feel like an old, only child, but I wrote down in this, I was like, like this movies like this make me want to like have a bunch of sisters, but yeah. Yeah. I always wanted a bunch of sisters. 
Um, I also always wanted an older brother. And for those of you who know me, you might go, but Lillian, you have an older brother. You do have an older brother. And he's great. And I love him very much, but he is not Mr. Darcy protective of, Mm. of his sister. Like (laughs) I wanted a brother who was like protective of me and Rob's more of the literally at the Grand Canyon did kept doing the like, save your life. And that wasn't... (laughs) That wasn't what I was looking for in an older brother. <laughs> Amazing. You're like, great. I just pissed my pants. You suck. <laughs> you, you know how I have a paralyzing fear of heights. Wouldn't it be fun if we were at a really high place and you kept pushing me off a cliff? Oh my God. <laughs> um, I, I agree with you about the, the, the density of the scenes where we have like the living household and the life that is, um, like palpable at at the ball itself. I was saying to Sam that I'm so impressed by the the choreography of how that single shot like camera moves through mm-hmm. these scenes and everyone is walking back and forth and having their conversations and we get little glimpses of the Bennett's like sprinkled throughout of like uh Lydia and Kitty clearly drunk <laughs> like they got access to the wine and they are like totally smashed and then also not pretty similar their mother also pretty drunk too, sitting there dangling her little feet. <laughs> Wandering around eating pudding is how I want to live my life. When Dude. I'm, when I'm her age, I want to wander around with a crystal glass full of pudding and a long, long spoon and just kind of like hum and have yeah. feathers in my hair. Oh, totally. And I love how it's implied that they like stayed until morning. Like mm-hmm. everyone is like passed out in the carriage. Only Mrs. Bennett is still awake because she's jazzed that her daughter's getting married. <laughs> but I love that they partied all night long. That's very cool. And the the fact that Mr. Bingley and his sister are looking out at the carriage and he's like totally obsessed with Jane and mm-hmm. totally obsessed with the family and just like, oh God, what a what a great night with a great group of folks. And I'm just so happy to be here. And then his sister goes, Charles, you cannot be serious. And then turns <laughs> around and walks away. And I'm just like, mm. I, I love how, cause yeah. One of the things that Darcy says when he does his bad job of listing faults before proposing is talking about the impropriety of her family. Like her sisters, her mother on even occasions, her father, which no way is Mr. Bennett ever like, not cool. He's always just sweet and nice. And uh, how could you see anything wrong with him? I don't think there's anything wrong with any of them. I think that you're there. It's obviously the impropriety of the, the mom and the sisters is much clearer. Although I find them endearing, but whatever. I agree. Um, there there's moments, there are moments that, uh, Mr. Mr. Bennett is he, he, is like, tell me what, much when? more proper. He's much more proper in comparison to the rest of his family, mm-hmm. but the way that he there's, there's particular moments where like you see him eavesdropping at the door with the rest of his family. Yeah. There's other things. There's nothing as blatant. Okay. Um, but he also, I mean, given the time he's supposed to be the one keeping his daughters in check and so. doesn't. Um, and yeah. I wouldn't say that's a criticism of him because I love his family. I agree. But I, like I think that he that encourages his daughters, or maybe not encourages, but allows them to be free and express themselves. Mm-hmm. I, I want to take a moment just to talk about Mr. Bennett because I think there are so many things about him that like are so charming and wonderful. Like the scene where uh, Mrs. Bennett like. Uh, gets him to go and talk to Lizzie, that whole scene by the lake where how did they get all those swans to take off at once? Gorgeous. But I love the little speech he says where he's like, 
your mother will never speak to you again if you don't marry Mr. Collins and I will never speak to you again if you do and it's just like so cute you'll have to be a stranger to one of your parents and you're just kind of like what what does that mean and she's standing there going please 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 don't make me marry this man and he absolutely has the power to make her do that Mm -hmm. oh so good that seems um, amazing. I love my, the way he like teases his wife with cute little bantering, which I think is very flirty when he's like, how he's like, of course I like care about your nerves. They've been my, companions. my favorite line. I have yes. it written down. Tell it to say it um, right. So it's, um, she, she says, you have no, uh, rest, respect for my nerves. And he goes, Oh, you're mistaken, my dear. I have the highest respect for them. They've been my constant companion these 30 years or yes. 20 years or whatever oh, it is. My so God, they're so cute. And then um, I don't know if I we do have to wrap up soonish, but um, one of my final things about him, it's also I think one of the most tender moments in the whole thing. I I am a huge sucker when it comes to like caring father-daughter relationships. Like if you show me a dad who loves his daughter, then I instantly like that character regardless of anything else. Um, But so the scene where Jane, uh, no, Elizabeth goes to speak to him after Darcy Mm -hmm. has proposed or asked for her hand. And you said earlier that moment where she steps away from the party to get her breath and it starts to sink in. I think we see that again when she's talking to her dad to convince him of all the good traits of Mr. Darcy. And she's like, if you only knew the things that you, that he's, that he's done. And I think when she starts to say this out loud, it's the first time she's articulated it. And again, we see these emotions sinking in and she's suddenly very upfront and like true to herself and her feelings when she's like, we're both so similar. We're so stubborn. And she starts to cry with like a big smile on her face and seeing her that happy makes him that happy. And he starts to cry and smile as well. And it's such a cute moment to be like, I genuinely see the pure love that you feel right here. And there's no way I could say no. So yes, you have my blessing. Go get married. Yeah. It's so good. Well, I know we're, we're getting close to trying to wrap up and, um, you do have to cut me off at some point because <laughs> I could do a minute, you know, how like there's, there's all sorts of lovely podcasts that'll read a book, a chapter at a time. Mm-hmm. I could do a whole podcast doing this movie a minute at a time, which no one would want to listen to. So it's good that we're cutting me off. Lillian, um, you are very wrong with that. If you want to do podcast part two, <laughs> when we conclude this, we'll do one scene at a time of Pride and Prejudice. Not one scene, one minute, girl. I'm doing one minute the time 60 second increments there's a couple of of things that I want to to call out that I think um there's a few lines that do a really good job of my describing my current attitude attitude towards dating and men and as we I think anyone listening to this podcast can tell that I am a romantic Mm -hmm. I'm just very tired of the dating game right now (laughs) and so I'm a little bit cynical Um, but there's a few different moments that I think um I want to talk about my one quote that's really good is um, right after Mr. Darcy says the mean things about Jane and or Elizabeth and she hears them is um, if he her friend Charlotte goes if he he liked you you'd have to talk to him which is <laughs> sort of my attitude about meeting men as I'm like oh I mean none of them like me at least I don't have to have one in my house regularly. Another one that I think and I'll I had a couple other that are less impactful but I think this really just articulates. I literally wrote down Jane Austen, 1813, Lillian Cotter, 2022, which is what are compared to rocks and mountains? Yes. Yes. That's one of my favorite (laughs) lines in the whole thing. And it also ties into one of my last notes that I wanted to comment on, which is 
there is such an attention to nature and the like fullness and vibrancy of nature in this movie. Mm-hmm. We see, I mean, we get it with uh, Lizzie enjoying her walks, um, which we the movie opens that way. And at the end, when she and uh, Mr. Darcy both need a moment to like connect to their feelings, they go mm-hmm. for a walk through nature and they find one another. I think that moment, though, where we get the second line reading of what are men compared to rocks and mountains is right after her aunt and uncle's carriage has broken down. And so they decide just to have a little picnic on the roots of this unbelievable tree, which is clearly Mm -hmm. thousands of years old. And it's just like, it's amazing to me that they have this level of society where, you know, there are these wonderful gowns and these amazing houses, and yet they can still like walk not very far and come across these unbelievable things of nature that are still growing Mm -hmm. alongside them. And that kind of beautiful parallel, I think, puts us into this historical time where nowadays that's way harder to find. And I think it's really, yeah, it's so cool that they get to live alongside that. Yeah. It's that's, that's really gorgeous and wonderful. Another one of my favorite nature moments, which I think you're right, is we could just talk about that for an hour. Um, but I wrote down specifically um, when she's contemplating life and we're getting the score and she's looking out over a cliff. Mm-hmm. Um, I wrote down, I need a cliff to look out over. Mm-hmm. And I remembered after looking out my window that I live very close to some bluffs. So if you live in Red Wing, <laughs> Minnesota, and you see some woman in a dramatic dress on a windy day, looking out across some bluffs, just leave me alone. Just, I, I, I'm doing this for me. This isn't for you. Leave me alone. Yeah. I'm just trying to contemplate my life and my future. I probably just met a man and he talked to me and I was really annoyed by that. Lillian has her headphones in. She's blasting the soundtrack, listening to this. Am I also singing the soundtrack? Yes. It's not about you. This is a moment of peace for me. Excuse me. Yes, I know this is a public walking trail, but go away. <laughs> I just start throwing a handful of loose gravel at people. It's like, like, do go you mind? Wait, this is my spot to contemplate life. <laughs> Incredible. I love that for you, Lillian. I can't wait for Thank that moment you. to come. <laughs> I have one more thing, and then I think um, I think we should still do writings for this, oh, although it's clear absolutely. what I would write it. Yeah. Um, So two other things that I think as themes for the podcast, we got to mention one, lots of good dogs. None of them have names, but there's just kind of dogs throughout. Mm -hmm. Ruth really enjoyed it. That's my dog. For those of you who are new to the podcast, she (laughs) liked the dogs barking. She was a big fan. She also liked the horses running. Um, and then, uh, bonnet watch is back. I made Uh, a note of that. Jane's bonnet. Jane's Bonnet. Yes. Jane's Bonnet is in here. Jane's Bonnet is arguably, I will follow our Instagram at AirBuds. I will be posting Jane's, this Jane's Bonnet and 2011 Jane Eyre Jane's Bonnet, mm-hmm. because I think that we may have a contender for best bonnet. I, I think I still have to do Jane Eyre 2011. That's still my favorite, but I was paying very close attention to Jane's bonnet, which I think we see twice. Uh, it's very yes. fashionable. She wears it. She wears it often. That with the blue jacket, the whole outfit works. Yeah, so good. Um, and then Lydia's bonnet is the other one that I specifically want to call out after she gets married, when she comes back, mm-hmm. her bonnet that she's wearing, very, very good. I like that too. Um, there's lots of good bonnets throughout, but those are the two two big ones that I saw. I also just want to give a last minute shout out to personally, I think the sexiest outfit in the entire film are the riding clothes that we see Darcy and Bingley in when they're by the river and he spots Mr. Wickham and he angrily runs off on his horse with his giant cloak billowing behind him. Like, hello. Yep. 
Um, just that made me remember like similar, I think he's wearing the same outfit, something that I realized we're now talking about another thing, but is so important. The scene when Bingley is practicing his proposal with yes. Mr. Darcy. Yes. The, every second of that is so good. If you haven't just sat in that moment before, like if you've watched this, but you haven't like picked up on everything, the lines that they're saying are the funniest things that I've ever heard. His, his being like, um, so I'm going to walk in and she's going to tell me to sit down. And they both kind of go, no, no, she probably won't ask me to sit down right away. Okay. So then I walk in and I go, Miss Bennett. And then he, Mr. Darcy goes, Mr. Bingley. <laughs> for her it's so cute he's the best wingman oh, ever God. anyway go and then you also that scene. it's so good i think you also hear mr bingley say he's like oh this is a disaster <laughs> like it's so good there's so many other amazing scenes in the love part that we don't talk about just to reference them so people know we know about them mm-hmm. their final confessions of love before they go back in when they agree to get married and she says your hands are cold great mm-hmm. nailed it mm-hmm. love it so much and then the very last scene, when he says, when they have the whole conversation about endearments mm-hmm. and he says, Mr. Darcy, Mrs. Darcy over and over yes. again, just in case one day I, I trick a man into falling in love with me and break down and allow him to live in my home. That is what a man should call me when he's incandescently happy. Oh my God. I was going to say that Mrs. Line. Darcy. <laughs> Even you want him to call you Mrs. Darcy? Yes, I do. Yeah. Wow. Okay. I don't care what his name is. I want to be Mrs. Darcy. That's incredible. I was going to mention uh, the line incandescently happy. Um, my final question for you, Lillian, that I mentioned yes. at the top of the hour is um, if you had to choose, could you say what, could you pick one line? Like what is your favorite line from this? Because I think mine probably is just simply the phrase incandescently happy. I, I do creative writing in my spare time and I've definitely found myself tempted to use that line many times because it's like expresses that feeling so well that every time I'm like, oh, people will know this is from Pride and Prejudice. I can't just take that line. I love incandescently happy. Yeah, I, I think there's, it's so hard to pick because I do have such emotional reactions to everything. Mm-hmm. Like the the very first line is the opening line of the book and is the opening line of the movie. And it, I get just like really viscerally excited when I hear it. Mm-hmm. Um, but I Wait, think there is, say it. um, oh, it's just the, uh, did you hear that Netherfield park is let at last? Yes. yes. Um, and then, which again, that just so everyone knows, I wasn't kidding. I can do the movie from beginning to end. And I didn't know I had that skill. <laughs> um, but, uh, the there's there's so many lines I think every line from the speech in the rain I think every line when he comes back and says um you have to know it was all for you Mm -hmm. and then his whole thing about like if if you your feelings haven't changed let me know now but my wishes and desires have not um and that's just very sweet and lovely but I think if I had to pick one line it's actually a line that I had to Google to make sure that this was the origin of it, which is mm-hmm. we are all fools in love. Cute. And I think that that's, you can see that it's the thing we were talking about with the shyness and the misunderstandings. I think this book is the origin of so many of those tropes in the way that that story is told. And yeah. so many things are trying to be this. Yes. And Jane Austen deserves a lot of credit for creating that space. And I think 
we're all fools in love is something I've heard in other things, but is so lovely and such a wonderful sort of encapsulation of this amazing story. I agree. That's, that's a really nice wrap up for this too, Lillian. So well said and well done. I'm glad we got to watch one of your all-time faves, one of my all-time faves. And now I feel as if my palate is totally cleansed. I'm ready to dive back into Jane Eyre. Well, Um, before we do that, I want your rating. Okay. Um, So I'm going to give this a 10 out of 10 incandescent lamps. Yeah. Um, And if it's too hard for you to find a graphic uh, of an incandescent lamp for our little gifs, then um, I'll find one. Okay. She's going to go the extra mile for that. Good. Yeah. I'm going to find now you might look at that lamp and go, I don't think that's incandescent. I don't think you get to judge me and my (laughs) lamp choices. Um, I'm going to go. Oh God. I just love this so much that I think I have to break the scale. And I genuinely think this is an 11 out of 10 for me. Like it's amazing. It's more than a perfect movie. It's more than what anyone could expect. Every part of this is perfect. Perfect. Um, And you'd have to, someone, if somebody thinks that I shouldn't be able to rate things 11 out of 10, fight me. Um, I've been planning to get into the negatives. I've been planning (laughs) to get into the twenties. Like it's going to happen. Don't worry. Yes. But what, what rating um, method are you using? Um, I think I'm going to go with 11 out of 10 bonnets. Okay. Um, because pilot, the dog is not in this. True. Um, but I do want, I do think there's two really good bonnets. Awesome. Worthy, worthy of that, that mm-hmm. note. So, uh, I hope you guys have enjoyed, um, fangirling over an incredible story <laughs> and an incredible couple with us for the last hour and 15 minutes or so. Um, but next week we are getting back into what this podcast is all about, which is attempting to watch every adaptation of Jane Eyre that we can before we die. So, um, it was actually recommended to us. Um, Lillian, can you, mm-hmm. while I say this, you can look up who it recommended I've, it. I've got it right here. Oh, perfect. Okay. Well, maybe you should take the reins then. Tell us what we're watching. So we, um, our amazing Instagram community, which if you are not following us on Instagram, we've got some really lovely conversations going on there. It's a great place to hang out again at Airbuds. And two of our amazing Instagram friends, uh, Lady of Whimsy suggested that we watched one from the forties or fifties. And then, um, friend of the podcast air guide who has an amazing podcast where they are reading the book chapter by chapter. Um, she suggested specifically the 1957 version. Um, and so we are going to be watching that. We found a version of it on YouTube, so, uh, don't do crimes. Um, (laughs) but that's, that's what we're going to be watching is the 1957 version of Jane Eyre. Yay. Thank you guys so much for um, engaging with us so actively. It's been really fun getting to know you all. And we're also really excited for anyone new to come in, join the conversation and join our fan club and our our friends group. Um, But yes, also definitely check out um, the Jane Eyre Files uh, podcast because Air Guide. Air Guide. Yes, Mm -hmm. it's it's wonderful. It's charming. Um, It's a husband and wife and their dynamic is well balanced and very cute. So Mm -hmm. definitely worth a listen. Uh, But yeah, I think with that, we might sign off and uh, wish you happy watching, daydreaming, fantasizing, uh, and uh, we'll see you next week. See you guys. Bye. Bye.